welcome to this edition of Psychedelic Radio. I'm Christina Thomas, the president and founder of Myself Wellness, and my co-host is Charles Patty. Together, we co-founded the Warriors of Consciousness, a not-for-profit to help people gain access to psychedelic ketamine therapy. Together, we are on a mission to help save and transform lives through this treatment. In this podcast, we'll be pushing boundaries, breaking taboos, and shedding light on the use of psychedelic medicines. We want to share expert knowledge and firsthand accounts of those who've experienced transformative psychic shifts using psychedelics. Journeying with us today is um, Dr. Rick Strassman. We are so excited for this call. Yes, we are. <laughs> we want to say thank you to Dr. Rick for being with us. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Strassman has obtained his undergraduate degree in biological sciences from Stanford University and his medical degree from Albert Einstein College of Medicine. He's trained in general psychiatry at the UC Davis Medical Center and took clinical psychopharmacology research and fellowship at UC San Diego. At the University of New Mexico School of Medicine, his clinical research team discovered the first known function of melatonin in humans, and between 1990 and 1995, he performed the first U.S. clinical research with DMT. He's authored and co-authored nearly 50 peer-reviewed papers, has served as a guest editor and reviewer of numerous scientific journals, and consulted with various government, nonprofit, and for-profit entities. His book, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, has been translated in over 14 languages and as the basis of a successful independent documentary, which is one of Charles's favorite documentaries. Oh, thanks. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's a fun movie. It is. It's great. To, to not, not even joke around with you, I think I've watched it over 50 times. Oh, that's more than I have. I've watched it, <laughs> I've, I've watched it 13 times. And you know, every time there's something new. Yes. Yes. No. So just, just to let you know, sir, um, you're you're really uh, I I have I have so much respect for you and and I've been dreaming of this moment for a decade. So um you know I I appreciate you and your service to humanity and and to be completely honest with you and to, for all the all the listeners out there, your work helped save my life. I actually really? I quit a heroin addiction from a DMT experience wow. and I I had learned a lot about dmt through you know just following you and and watching your watching your documentary and i actually used your documentary to integrate myself a lot after my experiences just because i didn't really have anybody to talk to about all this stuff so uh, yeah thank well great well i'm glad to be helpful yeah well thank you very much so i guess um let's go ahead and get down to the nuts and bolts of it and and uh, you have a you have a new book that's come that has yeah. come out and uh, i would love to uh yeah the psychedelic handbook <laughs> i would love to go ahead and, and and talk about that with you uh sure yeah um it came out in august um i was on the joe rogan experience on august 9th which uh coincided with the book's release um yeah it's a small textbook it's under 200 pages um and it covers you know the basics from the point of view of somebody that's been in the field for a long time. Um, I feel that with, you know, the hype, uh, which is associated with um, you know, psychedelics these days, it's good to have kind of a, a you know, moderating or a you know, moderate point of view. Um, 
you know, the book doesn't come out as advocating taking psychedelics or avoid taking psychedelics. It advocates educating uh, mm -hmm. yourself about psychedelics, you know, to know their history, their effects, uh, you know, how they work, what they're good for, what the potential, um, you know, negative reactions might be. Um, each of the drugs, um, you know, their pharmacology and their effects, uh, you know, side effects, um, you know, the law, microdosing, uh, things like that. You know, the largest chapter in the book is called How to Trip. Um, and it's, it's intended to provide some practical guidance about you know, preparing yourself, uh, both long-term and short-term, um, you know, setting things up, the, uh, you know, thinking about your intent, which would then determine what compound you would use, uh, uh, in what you know, kind of an environment, um, you know, the dose that you would choose, um, you know, safety mechanisms to call upon if you get into any trouble, uh, integration questions, those kinds of things. You know, so it you know, covers the most you know, popular compounds, you know, the classical uh, you know, psychedelics like LSD, psilocybin, uh, you know, DMT and ayahuasca. It includes MDMA, it includes uh, you know, ketamine and ibogaine, uh, you know, 5-methoxy, uh, you know, DMT, which is the toad, um, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, salvia divinorum. Uh, you know, so it's kind of a how-to, go-to uh, book, uh, short, you know, pretty packed, but still I think uh, it should prove valuable over the long run as a standard reference, you know, for the next few years. No, I love it, and 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 I I, I really love the book. You know, it, it's a, for everybody out there. It's a it's a it's an easy read. It's really mm -hmm. easy to comprehend. Um, you know, and, and it it really does get into all of the, you know, all of the the nuts and bolts of really this 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 psychedelic renaissance and all of the different compounds and medicines and the you know appropriate way to go about things. I guess. One question I would really like to, to, to ask you or, or just to talk about would be, you know, I when when we do psychedelic ketamine therapy out of our facility and when I talk to our clients that have psychedelic experience, I, I relate in a way like an intermuscular shot of ketamine at the right doses can be very comparable in my eyes to like almost like an hour long DMT experience. Uh -huh. and. I'm wondering if you, if like what your thoughts are of why these two compounds with the, with the, the actual experiences correlate so much compared to other psychedelic compounds out there. Um, well, the chemistry uh, or the you know, pharmacology of the two compounds is quite different. Uh, you know, DMT is what's called um, a classical psychedelic. It stimulates the serotonin 2A receptors. And uh, ketamine is a you know, synthetic drug, um, and it stimulates the NMDA receptors. It's a, it's, it's a you know, blockader of N-methyl-D aspartate receptors. You know, so it's, it's a completely different mechanism of action. Uh, interestingly, though, uh, they seem to have comparable effects on uh, the brain. Uh, you know, connectivity increases between areas that don't normally communicate. Um, um, you know, the strength of connections within the part of the brain that seems to regulate one's you know, sense of self kind of loosen up, you know, so you're more you know, susceptible to influences from, uh, uh, you know, uh, your unconscious, from your feelings, your emotions, your memories, which may not be normally accessible. 
you know, so even though their you know, pharmacology um, is different at you know, the cellular level, they still seem to have um, you know, similar effects at the global level, um, at the you know, function of the whole brain. Um, you know, they also seem to have comparable effects on what's called neurogenesis, which is the growth of new neurons from stem cells and also on neuroplasticity, uh, which means uh, increased complexity of connections among neurons. Um, you know, so, you know, for the classical, uh, you know, compounds, I, I think, you know, psilocybin's you know, been the most well-studied, but uh, a, a you know, single exposure, you know, to psilocybin of neurons in a test tube uh, increases neuroplasticity and neurogenesis and um, uh, neurogenesis um, you know, for up to a month. Um, with ketamine, it's uh, you know shorter, but still it extends uh, it extends out you know to at least a week. Uh, you know, so even though you know the pharmacology uh, you know differs between the you know, two compounds, you know they also have uh, you know comparable effects on you know the growth of new neurons and the complexity of you know connections among neurons. Um, you know, subjectively they're comparable too. Uh, you dissociate, you're out of your body, you enter into some kind of world of light which can uh, you know, seem inhabited with intelligent you know, power. Uh, and uh, you can interact with the state and the you know, contents thereof. You know, so I think, you know, uh, we don't really, uh, you know, well, you know, we're just beginning, uh, you know, to learn about the you know, mechanisms of these drugs. We understand a lot, I'm at the, you know, I'm at the cellular, you know, level and what they're, um, you know, doing in the brains of lower animals, you know, but still, you know, the relationship you know, between acute subjective experience in people and, um, you know, the outcome, if you need to include psychotherapy with, uh, um, you know, ketamine or other, uh, you know, psychedelic assisted therapy or not. Um, and if so, what kind of therapy, you know, maybe no therapy, uh, you know, maybe no subjective experience, uh, still, you know, produces beneficial effects. You know, so it's only just the last you know, couple of years that uh, um, that you know people are honing in on the relevant questions. Okay, beautiful. So there, I, I know in the field that there's um you know there's a lot of talk about taking the psychedelic experience out of certain compounds. Like I know that there's a company and they're working on a T DMT transdermal patch and they're actually doing this without the actual psychedelic experience attached to that. What are your beliefs on what, like, first of all, if you were to take the psychedelic actual part out of the experience, is it going to still cause the new neurogenesis like it would if you would actually have the compound in there? Is there going to be any difference in the uh, actual physiological stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's an important question. And uh, you know, people are, you know, spending uh, you know, quite a bit of time and quite a bit of money on uh, uh, you know, coming up with answers. Um, well, there's two avenues of approaching that question. You know, one is to give you know sub uh, uh, you know sub psychedelic doses 
of uh, you know, classical compounds. Um, you know, so if you're giving a, a you know, if you're going to be administering a DMT patch, you know, there would be extremely slow release, and it would be, uh, you know, kind of like continual uh, you know, microdosing, as it were. You know, so there wouldn't be a, a you know discernible subjective experience. Um, in studies of animals, you can give you know, sub psychedelic doses of classical compounds, um, including psilocybin or uh, you know, DMT, and you can still see neurogenesis and increased neuroplasticity. Um, you know, so in our study, uh, you know, giving a number of of you know different uh, you know doses of DMT, um, you know, we determined uh, you know sub psychedelic doses. And you know those uh, you know, didn't increase heart rate or blood pressure either. And I'm consulting with a group in Canada. It's uh, it's a group called Algernon. Uh, you know, so they're you know working on uh, you know treating stroke patients, uh, you know, both acutely and in rehabilitation. You know, with a continuous infusion over you know several hours of. Um, you know, sub-psychedelic doses of DMT in order to capitalize on the you know, brain growth effects without any psychedelic effects. Um, well, so that's one approach. Uh, the, the other is, you know, developing new compounds uh, which are, you know, based on the, scaf on the scaffolding of uh, the uh, you know, classical compounds. Um, and they stimulate you know the same receptor in the brain, the you know the serotonin you know two A site, and they stimulate uh, you know nerve growth, you know, but they don't um, at least in lower animals um, you know, produce uh, you know behavioral psychedelic effects. Uh, the you know the two compounds which are being most studied in that regard are um, you know, like a cousin of DMT and I'm a cousin of Ibogaine, um, you know, which is a uh, uh, you know, psychedelic from Africa, you know, which is you know, quite helpful uh, in uh, you know, treating addiction. You know, so, um, you know, so both of those compounds stimulate nerve growth and also you know, seem to demonstrate, at least in lower animals, no behavioral effects, but also you know, seem to improve the symptoms in lower animals of depression, anxiety, and um, you know, substance abuse. You know, those studies or those compounds have not been administered to humans yet, um, as far as I can tell. And I think if um, you know, they are uh, you know, going to see uh, you know, prime time, you know, they would turn out to be like you know, super antidepressants. Um, yeah, you know, because antidepressants, you know, like um, you know, like the SSRIs, will stimulate nerve growth. Uh, you know, but in most people, if you take uh, you know serotonin, uh, well, if you take SSRIs, you know, there isn't usually any kind of an acute response. You know, um, you're not high, you're not low. You know, things don't sparkle. Mm -hmm. um, you might have you know some you know side effects. You know, like you know some nausea, let's say. You know, but acute. Uh, you know, psychedelic effects or um, acute subjective effects aren't usually, you know, part um, of taking SSRIs. You know, so I think these new compounds, if they are studied in humans, you may end up 
uh, stimulating neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, you know, which can be beneficial um, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, spare the psychedelic effects. You know, most people um, with depression, alcoholism, anxiety, you know, just want to feel better. They don't want to trip. Um, and if you know they can be spared, you know, six or eight hours of you know, being out in the cosmos, but still their depression improves, or you know their or you know their anxiety improves. I think they will. Um, I think that you know there will be a uh, a much larger market. For sure, being in the cosmos that long is a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> It's a commitment all the way around and you have, you know, more adverse effects, you know, the more stoned you get, you know, so I think it'll be for, you know, most, uh, you know, cases, Uh, you know, that's not to say, you know, that people are going to stop being interested in, uh, you know, tripping, you know, but I think it will increase, you know, the range of options out there. Definitely. Yeah. So, so I, so like, I, you know, I, I, I have hundreds of psychedelic experiences. I used it for the therapeutic value towards the end of my psychedelic journey. And I actually, I don't take psychedelic compounds anymore. Um, the truth is, is that, you know, I like for me personally, I feel like a lot of my healing journey propelled forward because of some of the psycho-spiritual effects of the medicine. You know, like I had experiences where I traveled to parallel universes or alternate dimensions and had contact with entities or higher dimensional beings or whatever label people want to put on this. Do you think from what you've seen in your studies that that there's a big factor of the healing benefit that comes from these more or less magical experiences or, or like where people are, you know, receiving, you know, guidance telepathically from, you know, from, from entities or what, you know, whatever they might be. Um, Cause like, I know that that had such a profound effect on my life and really propelled me forward in the direction that I went on my healing journey. Do you think that people are going to have the healing or, or get the results without actually having those kind of experiences? Um, well, those studies you know, still need to be done, you know, but still, you know, that being said, I think that in, you know, tough cases, you know, that a big uh, you know, trip will be necessary. Yeah. Uh, deep, you know, to like, guy. you know, to just, you know, shake things up subjectively in one's life. Um, but you, in uh, you know tough cases, you use you know tougher medicine, which you know, both you know, can be more helpful, you know. But at the same time, you may more uh, you may cause more side effects, you know. So I think it's a you know, case by case you know situation. You want to have as many uh, you know tools in your tool chest, you know. So if you give a you know non psychedelic compound or a small dose of a psychedelic one, and you don't and you don't I you know, see much movement. Um, you will uh, you know, want to be able you know, to resort to the big guns um, if necessary. For sure. Yeah. I feel like Charles doesn't let me speak because he just wants to pick your brain so bad. <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting for this for so long. Like, honestly, I have no idea what an honor this is. This is just like my dream come true. So go ahead. I always like to know what made you get involved with this? Like, how did you start? you know, in the nineties studying DMT, I mean, what made you passionate about the field of psychedelics? Well, it was, you know, mostly I'm um, a case of, uh, you know, research being me search. 
um, when I was younger, the first you know, cannabis experience that I had was totally psychedelic, like absolutely like, you know, uh, purple clouds coming out of my speakers and the floor <laughs> melting away under, you know, uh, in my rug and you know, my roommate and I were, you know, flying over, you know, Claremont, California, you know, sharing a hallucination, um, you know, so I you know, started, uh, uh, you know, college as a chemistry major. Um, you know, as a kid, I was interested in, you know, making bombs and making fireworks. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was completely normal and then smoked this, this, you know, cannabis. And then I was completely out there and I thought it's chemistry. You know, that's what it is. It's brain mm-hmm. chemistry, which has, you know, opened up um, this incredible portal to a completely different reality. You know, so I got the bug even when I was 18 years old. And then a couple of years later, I was doing research, you know, learning about, you know, clinical research, you know, pharmacology, embryology research, and, uh, you know, decided if the, you know, time ever was right again, you know, that I would want to study psychedelic drugs, uh, you know, psychopharmacology. Uh, you know, so that, um, you know, so I you know, made that you know, promise to myself when I was 20. Uh, and then went to medical school, psychiatry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you know, so I had that flash in, you know, 1972 that I'm going to study psychedelics and then gave our first, you know, dose of, you know, DMT in, you know, 1990. Yeah, so that was an 18-year, like, you know, nose to the grindstone. I was going to do this if I could, and if anybody was going to do it at that time, it was going to be me and, you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah, it was just like an obsession. And yeah, that's, and yeah, so that's you were doing the, the DMT, and they you they weren't smoking it, right? No, it was it was, I, it was IV. It was through IV, right? Yeah, it was intravenous. Yeah, you know oh, if uh, uh, it, well, you know, smoking on a research unit you know, can be tricky, um, and you know, there's lung toxicity perhaps, and you cough and you don't get all of it in, you know. So you know, we were interested in you know duplicating, you know, field use as it were of DMT. Um, yeah, you know, so, you know, the smoked and the intravenous are you know, fairly comparable in their time course. So, yeah, so I, um, I, I have around 40 breakthrough experiences of DMT under my belt and I have to say smoking that, it though. smoking it. And I have to say that that compound is, is one of the most profound, amazing compounds on the planet and it changed me forever. And you know, I actually, what had happened is, is I had a ketamine MDMA experience years ago is my first breakthrough experience where the entire room broke down to quantum mechanics. I could see all the energy vibrating, everything I was projected out of my body in a deep space through a geometric portal where I was a being of light and I was with higher dimensional beings and received a bunch of, you know, guidance and things like that. And basically the way I got turned on to your work was I got on the computer the next day and I started researching ketamine and aliens or ET experiences and your work just started popping up and DMT and the spirit molecule. And I started watching your film over and over and over again. And then I had actually got my hands on some DMT, but you know, I, I have to say that, you know, like once again, thank you 
thank you for being so courageous. I know what your passion, like from your experience where you had this eye-opening experience, it was like, for me, it was the same thing. There was no going back. I knew what my purpose in life was. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I was just like, I need to help people have access to these kinds of experiences to heal. I need to have, you know, have an opportunity to like share this with the world. And, and, you know, in, in my eyes, you're really like, you know, you're, I, I refer to you as like the godfather of DMT. You know, so, so thank you so much. I He's really, fanboying over I'm here. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, uh, it's not the first time. So uh, yeah, and I take all of that with a real grain of salt too. So, you know, I'm just who I am kind of like neurotic and I just do my best. Uh, yeah, um, well, you know, one of the most interesting things about, you know, DMT is it exists in the brain yeah. and it, it's in, you know, quite high concentrations, you know, so it may actually, uh, you know, turn out to be a neurotransmitter, um, which would be a very strange thing if it were true, because, you know, what would it be regulating, uh, you know, comparable to serotonin and mood, you know, dopamine and energy, you know, what does, you know, DMT, uh, you know, moderate or, you know, regulate you know, so when you talk about when you talk about the pineal gland possibly being the source of endogenous DMT, you know, I have to say from my own personal DMT experience, I felt my pineal gland light up like a crisp. I felt, felt like it was going to explode. I felt like my brain was going to pop from the inside out, uh -huh. and, you know, and, and like so like I'm a huge believer in all of that. And I guess my, my question I'm really interested to hear is like, what are you up to these days? What, like, what are you, what are you doing these days? Well, let's see, what am I doing? Uh, well, I'm spending a lot of time, you know, marketing the book. Okay. Um, you know, that's been occupying myself for the last maybe two months or so. You know, before that I was writing the book, I was under, you know, a pretty strict, you know, timeline. Uh, you know, my publisher, you gave me three months, you know, to write a textbook. Uh, so I was able to like expand that out, um, you know, to five months, but, but still it was a you know, fairly, you know, short, uh, you know, leash, you know, for the writing process. Um, yeah, you know, so I'm just, you know, doing interviews, you know, mostly, uh, occasional lectures. I've got, you know, students I mentor, um, I'm going to stop doing interviews on, you know, in November and December, I'm not going to uh, you know, do any more for the rest of the year after October's out. Uh, and then just kind of, you know, survey the landscape. Um, you know, I've been studying the Hebrew Bible, you know, quite you know, closely for 25, 26 years now. And I study that every morning, uh, you know, comment, you know, uh, you know, commentators, you know, comment. I just you know, started reading the book of Esther this morning on a specific commentary. Um, you know, I work on my yard. I'm getting ready for the winter. You know, the power out here is pretty sketchy, so I'm trying to find a backup generator. Um, yeah, uh, I was consulting a lot, like a lot, a lot, uh, a couple of years ago with all of these, uh, you know, psyched, um, all of these, uh, you know, psychedelic, uh, you know, startups. Um, it, it, it um, was as if, you know, the world, uh, you know, just discovered, you know, that DMT work, you know, from almost, you know, 30 years ago. And I was in demand, you know, for about a year, uh, was spending a lot of time consulting. 
Yeah. Well, see, and... it's, it's, this is where my mind thought is like, you know, like, I mean, I'm, we're immersed in the field and I'm going to all these events and I'm seeing all of these people that are paving the way in the industry. And I'm like, where's Dr. Rick Strassman at? And I just hadn't seen you. Like, I feel like you're the guy in my eyes. You're the guy. You know, so it's like, are you going to be taking more of a of a, a stance within the industry in the field, or are you just? Well, I don't think so, um, and it's because I'm not an advocate. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not an advocate of people you know taking psychedelics. I'm an advocate of people educating themselves. I'm in learning about uh, uh, you know psychedelics. Um, you know, then it's up to them if they're going, you know, to uh, you know, trip or not, uh, and in what you know, kind of circumstances, with what kind of drug, what kind of doses, what kind of intention. He, uh, you know, Michael Pollan, uh, you know, completely ignores our work uh, in his book or his books. Like, there's one, you know, reference, uh, and uh, there aren't any references in his book to any of our research, any of my writing at all. And I think it's because I don't advocate. I don't say, you know, psychedelics are great and everybody should take them. I say, you know, psychedelics are very weird and very powerful and can do this and can do that. So I, I, I think I don't quite fit the mold of a cheerleader, uh, let's say. Um, I more would like people to, you know, know what they're getting into. And if you've got a, a you know, pharmaceutical a product or a retreat you know, center, I, you know, whose I, you know, success I, hinges on presenting a particular view of these you know, drugs and their experiences, uh, I don't quite fit that mold. So in a way, uh, I'm you know, more of a you know, commentator or uh, you know, moderator of the field. And I will continue active because I've got a good perspective, at least according to my uh, you know, bias. Uh, yeah, you know, so you know, to the extent that people want to hear what, um, you know, what I have to say, I'm you know, willing you know, to continue saying it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it's kind of like the Wild West out there and like it needs to, you need to do it you know, with the right intention and with the right people and not just, you know, be taking these substances irresponsibly. Like we're not advocates for the at-home ketamine because it's just, it's very dangerous and it's it's powerful. It's a very powerful medication that you're sending to people's doorsteps. And a lot of these people don't have any other experiences and then they have this earth shattering experience. And yeah, no. And, and, and just, just so you know, like where we're at, like I, I tell people these medicines and they are medicines are a tool and a catalyst. This isn't the final answer or like, this isn't the answer. This is just the beginning. And, and, and really what my message out there is for people is like, this is what worked for me on my healing journey. But that being said, I don't use psychedelics anymore. I used them for the tool that they were meant to be used to, to get to where I'm at now. Now I do a lot of meditation, breath work, exercising, all of these healthy lifestyle changes, which is the real recipe for long-term success with the medicine. Yeah. Well, good. I'm uh, you know, pleased that you're presenting a you know, level-headed approach uh, yes, sir. You know, to the field. Yeah. Otherwise I think it's you know, kind of, you know, borders on your responsibility, you know, 100%. Uh, you know, sending, you know, ketamine, you know, through the mail to people and you know, maybe doing a virtual therapy or, you know, follow-up session. It seems a little, 
seems kind of reckless. Well, no. take the ketamine out of it. You're sending an anesthetic to people's doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, and I think that's one of, you know, the dangers in emphasizing, you know, psilocybin over LSD is there is a German study came out a month or you know two ago comparing, you know, um, uh, you know, the acute subjective experience of LSD compared to psilocybin. And there was no difference in the acute subjective effects. You know, the only difference was, you know, the duration of action. You know, so when uh, you know, people are, uh, you know, saying, oh, you know, psilocybin the entheogenic and it's natural and it's organic and all that, and it, it ought to be dispensed, you know, liberally, would people still, you know, have that perspective if you were saying, yeah, you know, people ought to dispense LSD, uh, you know, without any compunctions and, you know, mail order LSD and, you know, pharmacist dispensing LSD, okay. you, you know, they're, you know, you know, they're basically, you know, the same compound or in the same effect. Um, and I think it was a bit of a stealth operation to emphasize, you know, psilocybin as opposed to LSD in, uh, you know, some of, you know, the research, uh, you know, centers out there in order to, in, um, um, in order to, um, you know, take a more, uh, you know, liberal hands-off approach, you know, to people tripping. Uh, I think you'd need to really be responsible in administering and promoting or, uh, you know, making available these compounds. I commend you and appreciate you for staying, you know, standing strong in, in your, in the angle that you're taking with this and your position, because, you know, I truly believe that people need to be incredibly responsible, use these medicines for the therapeutic value that they're being used for, use them properly, because not only could somebody get hurt, but, you know, these medicines have the ability to help so many people. And all we need is the wrong thing to happen. And then these valuable tools get ripped out of everybody's hands like they once Again. did when, you know, when they got schedule one. Yeah, I think we need to you know, plan for that in a way, uh, you know, so far there haven't been, you know, lots of Pied Pipers out there. Uh, you know, the closest is Michael Pollan and the person who runs Decriminalized Nature, I can't remember his name. You know, they're you know, kind of messianic uh, and are overlooking the potential drawbacks, you know, but compared to, you know, Tim Leary, for example, they're, you know, kind of, uh, you know, low key still. Um, you know, uh, you know, Charles Manson used LSD, his, you know, followers used LSD and that didn't really, you know, turn out that well. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't another episode like that, in which case we, you know, need to have a ready response. Uh, and, uh, that's where overemphasizing their potential benefits and underemphasizing their potential adverse effects might, you know, come back at us, uh, in a not so good way. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's all the time that we have today. I want to say thank you again for journeying with us on this edition of Psychedelic Radio. So learn. Oh, go ahead. Well, great. Well, thanks very much for having me on the show. Thank you. Sure. To learn more about Dr. Strassman, please visit his website, rickstrassman.com. And you can download the past programs of our episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or by subscribing to our show Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. 
To learn more about Warriors of Consciousness, please visit us on social media or go to wocfund.org and watch the videos. And if nobody's told you that they love you lately, we We do. do. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.